Good morning. Uniquely enough, we're going to be talking today about God's provision and uh, what God would like to do in your life if you'd let him and the step to move from maybe being overwhelmed, that sound like anybody here today, overextended, that catch a few more, underfaithed, that's a new word by the way, you like that, underfaithed. To a place of abundance, to a place of prosperity, to a place where God's provision in every area of your life uh, becomes a reality. Uh, We're going to read a passage of scripture from 2 Kings. We've been looking at the life of Elisha. Elisha, I I, want to remind you, other than Jesus, Elisha was used by God to work more miracles than anyone else in all of scripture. And we've been looking uh, over the last couple of weeks at those miracles. Uh, We talked about burning plows two weeks ago, last week. We talked about digging ditches. And this week, we're going to see God filling jars, jars of clay. In fact, Scripture tells us, and we'll get to this, that you and I should be vessels or jars of clay in God's hands. I want to read to you this passage because... uh, I think not only is it a miracle, it's also a word of encouragement for each of us today. And like I said, if you're here and things aren't exactly as good as they should be or you want them to be in your life, if you're overwhelmed, overextended, don't have enough faith, then you're exactly where you need to be today. And here's the miracle God will work if you allow him to. Second Kings 4. One day, the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets cried out to, uh, to Elisha. I want to stop and say that scholars believe this to be the wife of a prophet you've heard of, a man by the name of Obadiah, who wrote just a little short book of prophecy in the Old Testament. Obadiah died young and had been in charge of a group of 50 itinerant prophets who didn't make much money. So here's the, here, here's the upshoot of that. The lady said, Mrs. Obadiah, your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God, and now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my two children as slaves. So picture that scene, a young widow, two boys, overextended, Husband died, no way to make any kind of money, and now the guy who they owe money to is coming, sounds cruel, doesn't it, to take her children as slaves. That's the end of your rope, isn't it? Amen? Let me read it again because not many of you amen. That's the end of the rope, right? Thank you. We can go on now. Elisha said, How can I be of help? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Nothing. Ever felt that way? Nothing. I got nothing. And then she said, wait, I do have a little oil. She's talking about olive oil. Here's what you do, said Elijah. Go up and down the street, borrow jugs and bowls, from all your neighbors, not just a few, get all you can. 
Then come home, lock the door behind you, you and your sons, pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. She did what he said. She locked the doors behind her and her sons. They, they brought the containers to her. She filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to her son, I like this, another jug, please. He said, that's it. We filled them all. And the oil stopped. Who's at work here, guys? She went and told the story to Elisha, the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, make good on your debts, live both you and your sons on what's left. I, uh, I wonder today if you have ever or perhaps even now felt much like Mrs. Obadiah. Seemed to me all hope was gone. Uh, the well was dry. The pockets were empty. Didn't know where to turn next. Maybe it's not a financial issue in your life because I think what was happening in her life was almost much more than that, right? Not almost, much more than that. And many of us have a spiritual dryness in our life. Many of us are in relationships that are struggling and you feel like you're at at the end of your rope. Uh, Maybe you're kind of in a situation where this is your theme song. Listen to this. Running on empty. I was going to sing that. I was going to sing that, but my voice was a little dry, quivery today, so I just wanted you to hear it. Write that down. You're just running on empty. I've talked to people all week long, been able to encounter people all week long, and, and what they were saying as they told me their story is I'm about empty. I'm about at the end of my rope. I've about had all I can take. I've talked to a couple who said our marriage is over. We've tried tried this, we've tried that, we've done everything you've asked us to do, and, and now we don't know what to do, what's next. The problems are still here. The issues are the same. We know we need to stay married. We've got children, we've got responsibilities, but there's no hope. Talked to a family who lost their son. Had to bury a son. And any of you who've been anywhere near that kind of situation know the insurmountable grief that you feel and you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Talked to a fellow who has an addiction he can't conquer. Talked to some parents who have children they can't control. That could be about any of us, right? But all of us know that there are times in our life where emotionally and relationally, relationally and financially and spiritually, we're running on empty. It's pretty easy to throw a pity party. Been to a pity party lately? 
It's pretty easy to get where this lady was. Can you just imagine the shaking and quivering as she presents her plea to Elisha? Because this isn't just about money. This is about her boys being taken from her. I'm going to just stop and be confessional. You're saying, good, right? I've been mad three or four times this week, maybe five. How about you guys? I just want to kind of give you an outline of the stuff that's got me torqued. That's a word I learned from Kent. means about ready to go off on somebody. Torqued. Got that? Use it this week. I got mad the other day because the GPS on my iPhone took me to a place that I hadn't intended to go. (laughs) Isn't that irritating? I got mad this week because I ordered something and they brought me the wrong thing in a restaurant. It wasn't like I ordered. Now listen to this. Not only did I get to eat that, I got to eat what I really ordered too. It turned into be a blessing sent from God I got mad at referees in a basketball game we were winning by 30 points yesterday amen I'm talking to the choir now finally listen to this and this is I I shouldn't tell this because this kind of gets to one of my biggest problems in life I was on the interstate coming on 275, and I was wanting to go, you know, when you're over there in Erlanger and you want to go to Cincinnati as opposed to Lexington, Louisville. There were about a thousand cars trying to go to Lexington, Louisville. I needed to go to Cincinnati. So I eased over into the emergency lane. Because to me, this was an emergency, right? I needed to get from one hospital to the next, and, and, and those folks needed to see me. This is an emergency. So I eased over into that lane, and a semi-trucker shot over just enough to keep me from escaping the traffic. I called him. None of your business. (laughs) But I was flailing and yelling. You've gotten mad this week, anybody? Now I want you to stop and think about those problems over against what we were just talking about. The tough stuff that that people are, are going through. You know, I had some entry level problems there, right? They had some graduate problems, graduate school issues. And and this lady, and, and maybe you, right here, God has you here because you're in a place in your life where you're at the end of your rope, where you're struggling, or you're headed that way. And, and there are issues and problems and emptiness and burdens that are way bigger than you right now. 
what we see in this passage of Scripture is that God stands ready to help. God stands ready to work the miracle of provision, of a way out, of hope, of salvation. I just want to stop and say that, you know, as we talk about God and his love for us and his provision, that there's a good chance there's several of you in this room who that notion is foreign to you because your spiritual problem is that you have no connection to God at all. There is no greater need in your life than salvation. And when I talk about salvation, I'm speaking of a relationship with God which allows God to begin to pour out his mercy and grace, his blessings, his life on you. Where you surrender yourself wholly to him and you get heaven in the bargain. There are some of you today that don't know Jesus. And, and that's a starting place for God's power and provision in your life. And then there are those of us who know him, amen, I'm not the only one, right? There are those of us who know him, I know Paige and I know him, we're the only two I'm sure of this morning, and we fail, we fail repetitively to allow him to do the things we need desperately in our lives. So here's what happened to the lady, and I think happens to us on a routine basis. Uh, When you don't know what you really want, God's what you really need. She had begun to focus on what she didn't have rather than what she had. You notice that? She calls Elisha the prophet into her house, and she said, Elisha, I need to tell you that we're broke, uh, we're in debt, my husband's dead, you know that. There's a creditor, he's coming, he wants to take my boys from me. I don't have, he said, what do you have? What'd she say? Nada, zero, nothing. To Elisha's credit, he said, are you sure? And she said, I have a little olive oil, just a little. Now, now let me stop and tell you that olive oil in that day was a valuable commodity. Olive oil was used, uh, we know for sure, to anoint prophets. It was used with leather to make it more pliable. It was used with iron to keep it from rusting. Uh, It it, it was used, uh, ladies used it as makeup, moisturizer. Anybody here use moisturizer? Seven of you. The rest of you are dry. (laughs) Dry to the touch. And, and when you had olive oil, you had a valuable, tradable, sellable commodity. And she had just a little. You ever been guilty of focusing on what you don't have rather than what you do have? Let me give you a couple of examples. Ladies, have you ever walked into your closet or opened the doors to your closet and there were at least 500 garments there, and you said, 
I've got nothing to wear. That's looking like a yard sale right there in your closet. And you got nothing to wear. And I know some guys who might say that. I, I was with a guy the other day. He's a member of our church, so I'm not going to call Randy by name. And uh, I went into his garage, and in his garage there were at least 12 or 13 golf bags full of golf clubs. And in the middle of looking at probably what was 200 golf clubs, he said to me, I've got to have a new driver. I've talked to guys who've told me that they own 100 guns or more, but they can't go hunting until they get a new one. Same thing with fishermen. So, I mean, it's in all of us, isn't it? To want what we don't have, to focus on what we don't have, rather than enjoying and being grateful for what we do have. So here's what I think the story of Elisha is teaching us. The story of this prophetess, this wife of the prophet who had nothing in her mind. That you stop waiting. You stop waiting for what you want. And you start working with what you have. There's another part of the story that I think is interesting. As Elisha teaches her this message, he he walks in. And here's where I want us to get to be as a congregation. He walks into the lady's house and she pours out her heart to him. And he determines to be the representative of God. And he determines to be the voice of truth and reason in her life. He determines to be the mouthpiece of God. Did you see what he said to her? She told her story and he said, what can I do to help? Now, so many of us who know God and know his provision, know his power, know that he can work miracles in in, in the lives of ordinary people, when we get in those situations, we kind of back away from the need, back away from the issue, not Elisha. And my prayer for us as a congregation is that we would begin to take steps forward and to become people who enjoy and who bask in the role of playing God's representative, of being God's representative, to offer solutions and help from God. Notice what he said. He said, I'll pray for you. Begin to pray. You ever tell somebody your problems? I mean, I like to do that from time to time. Anybody else ever do that? And they, they say to you, well, I'll be thinking about you. Well, whoopee. <laughs> What's what that's going to do? <laughs> I'll be thinking, why don't you pray for me instead? Your thinking ain't going to do anything, but if you turn this over to God... And that's what Elisha said he was going to do. You better not say to anybody this week, I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking about you. It's kind of like, you know, when you're having church and you're inviting somebody and they're not going to be here and and they say something to you like this, well, I'll be there in spirit. Well, whoopee, you know, again, thank you. 
Elisha decided to do something tangible and powerful as the representative of God. He fell to his knees and he offered the problem, the issue, to someone who could make a difference. Here's another principle I want you to write down. Offer God. Offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Somewhere back in the early 1800s, there were a group of people who probably didn't have much. They were really pioneers. There weren't a lot of people who lived in Boone County, barely any people who lived in Burlington. More people lived, listen to me, in Bulletsburg than there lived in Burlington. The world was upside down. More people lived on Middle Creek, been to Middle Creek, than lived in Burlington. And, and, and these people decided right here where we sit and stand with very little resources, a handful of people decided not to think about what they didn't have, but to think about what God can do. How many thousands of people have come to Christ right here? How many thousands of people have been provided for right here? Have been touched by grace right here? So I want you to stop thinking about how limited you are and start to think about how unlimited God is. I want you to stop thinking about how little you have but how about how a little becomes a lot in God's hands. God's pretty good at doing a little with a lot, isn't he? Here's my favorite miracle in all the scripture. This young boy comes to a preaching service. It's on a hillside. The preacher did what I would never do. Now, this preacher was Jesus. I ought to do more like he does, I know, but he preached a really long time. You wouldn't put up with that, would you? How many of you would stay here if I preached through lunch? This is a test. <laughs> and they wanted to eat. But all they could find, all they could find were five loaves and two fish. I got to thinking about that. Fish in the hot sun all day, probably two rotten fish, right? I mean, they didn't have to look for the little boy. They could smell his lunch. <laughs> and he placed it in the hands of Jesus. What did he do? He fed 5,000 plus people. Say this with me. God can do a lot Let's start again. Since I was the only one that said it, let's start again. God can do a lot with a little. Stand up here beside me, all right? Right here. I promise not to hurt you. No one will be harmed in this experiment. Bob, stand up over there. Help him up right there. Remember David, Goliath? You think you could whip him? 
I think, you know, you, you couldn't wrestle him to the ground. He's too big, isn't he? Amen. Thank you. God can do a lot with a little, right? Ask Goliath. What's it say in the Bible? If you have the faith of a mustard seed, that's a little. God can do a lot. God can do a lot. I have been so guilty in my life of forgetting that what I needed the most God had. That my little, that my burden could be changed and lifted in a heartbeat. That he would provide the answers when I had none. That he would provide hope when I was hopeless. Help when I was helpless. A filling when I was empty. And no matter how little I had to offer him, he magnified and multiplied and provided. Bible in 2 Corinthians 4 says this. Verse 7, if, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry a precious message around in our unadorned clay pots or ordinary lives. That prevents anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Here's what the Bible's calling you right there. And you're not going to believe this, but it is the greatest compliment you'll ever receive. You are an empty pot. You're an empty vessel. You're an empty jar. And God wants to fill you. I, I think Paul was thinking about this prophet's wife, this prophet's, prophet's widow, when he wrote that verse. Because here's what happened. When she gave that little bit of olive oil to God, when she said, this is all I have, but it's yours, God. And she only did that because she had nowhere else to turn. She gave it to God. The Bible says that pot after pot, Jar after jar, vessel, bowl, filled. So it was overflowing. There was still some left when they ran out of vessels. Now you may feel pretty empty today. You may not feel very special today. Matter of fact, you may feel like that spiritually, emotionally, relationally, you are at the end of your rope. You're right where God wants you to be. You're ready to be feel, filled. You're ready to listen. You're ready to obey. You're ready to trust. Can you imagine what God can do in your life if you empty yourself? 
and allow him to fill you. Can you imagine what he will do when you finally get to the place where you can't fix it yourself or or call someone to fix it, when, when you can't do anything but trust him? Can you imagine what God will do with just that mustard seed of faith that drives you to a place where you fall to your knees and say, I'm empty, God. I can't fix this relationship. I can't, I can't get to the place where I trust you completely. I, my, my wallet's empty. My heart's broken. Can you imagine what God will do when you say to him, it's got to be about you. It's got to be about you. Because I got nothing. I got nothing. You see, I think that's when miracles happen. I see it all the time. I see people at the end of their rope find hope. And I pray that miracle in you. And I pray when you get your filling that you'll turn your vessel over and begin to pour drops out everywhere you go and on everyone you see. Filling. The miracle, supernatural power of God has never ceased. Quit focusing on what you don't have. Ask God to bless what you do have. Whatever it is, place it in his hands. End of your rope. Desperate. Nowhere else to turn. We've got the answers. God brings going to ask you to come in just a minute to this altar admit your need pour out your heart to God ask him to take what you have to offer to multiply it to give you exactly what you need the most not what you want what you need the most any problem any burden God can provide pray with me father this altar is yours we've heard about the miracle we've seen that kind of thing happen we want it to happen here today I want emptiness to be replaced by your power by your presence I want brokenness to be healed by your touch Salvation to be given by your grace. Relationships to be healed by your mercy. Dryness, brokenness, broken, empty wallets to be replaced by your prosperity. 
whatever the need, Father, we know that given to you, trusting completely in you, you will bring a filling. In Jesus' name.